1: Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Governor Ron DeSantis readies his campaign for president, but avoids commenting on Trump's legal troubles. Florida lawmakers deliver a conservative wish list for DeSantis to run on, and Democrats desperately search for a candidate to take on Rick Scott. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald-Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing this week with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. First, that music means it's time for some numbers. Uh, John, what do you got for us today?
0: Zach, I I know you're a fan of 1970s era television. You remember Steve Austin, TV's six million (laughs) dollar man? What we can rebuild him? Well, my number this week is six
1: million. All right. Yeah. I was just thinking about uh, some old television uh, today when I saw that Scott Bayo he of uh, Charles in charge, had moved uh, over to this area, to Bradenton, to escape what he called the homeless issue in California. So uh, maybe DeSantis's, uh, you know, uh, spiel about... Uh, Florida attracting uh, some of these uh, out-of-staters is is another not another uh, free stater right yeah yeah apparently uh Antonio how about you what, what's your number today okay i'll channel a uh, doctor evil but not with 1 billion but 17 billion. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, Antonio, going going real high here. My number is uh, just shy of 100 here. I'm coming in at 99. Remember those numbers, folks. Uh, we'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, with Florida's legislative session over, speculation is turning to when DeSantis will announce his presidential campaign. Reporting suggests that it's likely going to be sometime in June. DeSantis took another step toward running this week when he transferred control of his state political committee to an ally. Distancing himself from the committee is a necessary legal step to transfer the money to a federal PAC. Antonio, there's been some talk that DeSantis might want to rethink a presidential bid considering his declining poll numbers, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence that he's rethinking things at all. He still doesn't seem eager to mix it up with Trump, though. He dodged a question yesterday about the jury verdict uh, that found Trump liable for sexual abuse and defamation. How long do you think uh, DeSantis can avoid confronting Trump?
2: Uh, simply put, Zach, you know, time's pretty much up here. Look, the legislation, legislative session is over. And, and like the governor himself has said, there comes a time we have to put up or shut up. If he is going to seek the 2024 presidential nomination, and all indications still seem that he is, he is going to have to figure out how he's going to confront Trump and take him on. Now, last night, by the way, Trump was on a CNN town hall meeting where he again taunted DeSantis with the nickname and said things aren't looking good for the governor, uh, to chuckles from the largely GOP audience. But, Zach, you know what? I, I don't think the governor's problem is so much the, the Trump nicknames and insults, nor, nor even the fingers-in-the-pudding attack ad. The extent of this problem is that he's made one stumble after another since the start of the year. It, it really has been one unforced error after another. L- let's count them. He, he made a big misstep in saying that the war in Ukraine was a territorial dispute which was a careless remark that made him look like an amateur on the world stage. You know, the fight with Disney has been a quagmire. Other than the hardcore base in the villages and the mom for liberty types, the rest of the country doesn't really understand why he's being so vengeful toward a company that simply just spoke out. DeSantis has also gotten behind policies, a six-week abortion ban and eliminating the state permit to carry a concealed weapon that many voters, and and by this I mean independents and, and conservative Democrats that he would need To win a general election uh, nationally say they see as extreme. That overseas trip uh, late last month and into early this month uh, was not a success. It got off to an awkward start when when he was asked about the presidential polls and DeSantis couldn't even look at the reporter in the eye. And as he gave this kind of this week, we'll see what happens, answer. His speech in Britain got panned. And by the way, it's, it's not just pundits and reporters and others saying this. Major GOP donors that were more than happy to abandon Trump and invest millions of dollars in candidate DeSantis's war chest, uh, some of them have gotten cold feet. And Republican voters that saw him as their candidate in 2024 as a departure from the Trump era, uh, polls say now are tracking back to Trump. So, yes, as Trump said last night, it's not looking so good for DeSantis right now, uh, but not so much because Trump looks that much better but because DeSantis has raised doubts about himself.
1: I I think you're right. I think there's definitely uh, the last few months have not been great for DeSantis as he tried to emerge on the uh, national and world stage here. I also think, though, that some of it is a little outside his control. I think that uh, the the GOP has sort of rallied around Trump uh, because of some of his legal troubles here, which, you know, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, sort of reverse what you would think uh, normally with any normal politician. But, uh, you know, Trump seems to get stronger the more uh, he is under fire here. And uh, I think that the criminal case against him probably helped him a little bit uh, with the Republican base. Um, what, do, what do you think, Antonio, you know, DeSantis—he—he he has been sort of gun shy in going after Trump, but his pack, the, this pack, never backed down. That was formed by uh, some DeSantis supporters and is really sort of the main vehicle right now that is sort of laying the groundwork for his presidential campaign. Has been extremely aggressive in going after Trump, including last night during the CNN town hall where it was firing off. Um, shots at, at Trump in real time uh, and put out a press release afterwards, kind of dismissing a lot of what Trump said and saying, you know, he's too focused on the 2020 election and and January 6th and things like this. Um, there's sort of just a split screen here where DeSantis doesn't seem to want to, 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 to be the one to, to take these shots. But this pack is really going to, uh, aggressively after him, does that is that dichotomy going to work for Desantis going forward? Well, so far it, it hasn't, and and quite frankly, uh, whatever
2: other Republican candidates that have tried to go up against Trump in a presidential race, whatever they've tried hasn't worked either, and largely because this is the arena that Trump is a master in. He 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 understands how to you know just throw these you know these salvos at people, and not be able to. And they're not going to, the return fire is just not going to be great. And I think that's a challenge that DeSantis will have, as well as anyone else who, who jumps in the races. You know, how do you engage Trump and he, able to, uh, how do you land punches uh, when he has been, in, particularly for Republican audiences, pretty much Teflon? You just said, I mean, the the man is indicted, you know, over a hush money payment to a porn star. Uh, this week, a, a jury in New York found him liable for sexual assault and defamation. And last summer, we had the, you know, the FBI go into to Mar-a-Lago, bring out all these classified documents and all these investigations. You had you know, the January 6th committee you know televised hearing after televised hearing and, and a thousand page book on how Trump was at the forefront of a, a, a coup attempt. To overturn a fair and honest election. And in spite of all that, what has happened, he went from Trump himself stumbling back in the late fall of last year to now having big-time double-digit leads among the other Republicans. It's this is really a, you know, it's something. I've never seen in American politics.
1: It's Trump's yeah. superpower to take all these <laughs> negatives and, and turn them into positives. And the way that he does it is continually telling the story and repeating over and over again things that uh, are are not accurate. Like, you know, this the election was stolen from him, stuff like that. And he's able to just sort of change the narrative in the minds of GOP voters. And it's and it's really remarkable. And I don't think um, DeSantis has found a good way to deal with it. And, and I do wonder, I, I think the biggest Question for DeSantis uh going forward. I mean, Trump has just eviscerated all of his GOP opponents, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio in 2016. And then more recently, all of these Republicans who voted for impeachment, most notably Liz Cheney, where you know he just runs them out of the office and out of the party. And DeSantis, you know, I think he's got a lot of goodwill with Republican, the Republican base, but he still hasn't found a way to handle Trump's attacks and and also push back a little bit and try and peel away some of his uh, support. And, and, uh, it's just not clear that, that he's going to find that way. I mean, it it seems right now that he wants to kind of lay back, uh, that he's worried about antagonizing Trump's supporters when it comes to these legal issues and, and that he's going to let his pack do the dirty work for him, but um, you know, at, at some point, he's probably going to have to carry the message himself. He can't just let other people do it. So, uh, we'll we'll see kind of what his strategy is once he gets into the race. But but right now, I'm not sure it's working for him. Well, with DeSantis gearing up to run for president, the legislature tried to help him out by delivering a long list of conservative policy victories that the governor can run on. They include a ban on abortion after six weeks looser gun regulations, a bunch of bills targeting transgender individuals, a law expanding the use of the death penalty and other red meat GOP policies. John, this session really was all about DeSantis's presidential ambitions.
0: Well, just about every major policy initiative passed by these uh, super majorities of Republicans in the House and Senate well it was directed and called for by the governor's office and these policies are really aimed at pumping up DeSantis's chances of drawing republican voters across you know these many primary states when you think about it, I mean, just watch Fox News for 20 minutes or so, and you'll see plenty of focus there on the broken border crisis and immigration, China being a threat, whether it be in property ownership or its ties to TikTok. Uh, they, they, they fan fears about crime and left-wing thinking run amok in schools and universities. And, well, the menu of bills approved by this very aggressive legislative session in Tallahassee, it, it, it covered just about every one of these usual Fox News favorites. And uh, and that's what DeSantis is banking on, being seen as a leading state executive on these mostly cultural divisions uh, and that he's ready for the White House. Um, so, you know, now how does a Florida Republican legislator from Hernando County or Collier County see a value in this? Well, you know, none of them will publicly acknowledge that this is all about, you know, being done to help Trump or uh, help DeSantis. But, but somewhat ironically, they, they have a relationship with DeSantis that is similar to what national Republicans have had with Trump for the past seven years. They, they, they can't cross him, and they, they don't think they can live without him. Uh, that's the relationship now between Republican legislators in Florida and Ron DeSantis. Uh, the, the irony, of course, is that Trump now looms as DeSantis's largest unmovable object between him and the Republican presidential nomination. Uh, It's clear DeSantis has borrowed heavily from the Trump playbook. You know, remember DeSantis helped several legislators win office, and he's shown a vindictive streak, so these rank-and-file Republicans are afraid to run afoul of him and, you know, face maybe a future primary challenger that he'd put up against them, and they're they're just awed by his star power right now, and they, they know that their voters are, too, so they want to stay on his good side. So, you know, this this Republican rapture with DeSantis really dominated the 2023 session. But you're looking ahead a little bit, you know, next year's legislative session will begin in January and coincide with what are the likely dates for the first Republican nominating caucuses and primaries. Uh, you know, if DeSantis doesn't look like he's taken off like a rocket, then... You might see some glimmers of Florida Republicans defecting from him, you know, kind of kind of loosening this uh, this grip that's that they have right now between uh, DeSantis and the legislature. Uh, The the window on DeSantis's world could close very quickly if it doesn't look like he's bound for the White House. And, um, you know, already where there's a host of leading Republicans who have visions of succeeding him as governor in 2026, so by by early next year, we may see the the earliest of moves
1: beginning there. When DeSantis started this legislative session, he was polling pretty well. I mean, there was polls earlier in the year that showed him beating Trump um, yeah. nationally and in some swing states. And I, and I think that he and his advisors and a lot of people in Florida politics thought that this legislative session was going to sort of supercharge his campaign and that he was going to push through a bunch of these policies that Republicans love. And he's going to come out of this session just like slingshotted. And I don't think it's really happened. I mean, he, he seems to be he got everything that he wanted and it, right. and it might, ha- it might might help him to some degree. I don't. I don't know. But it doesn't. I mean, the polls are not showing that it, that it's helping him. He doesn't seem to have pushed a bunch of policies that are breaking through nationally and improving his standing against Trump. And I, and I wonder what your thoughts are on that. I wonder if like the, the, that's because of forces outside his control, because Trump, the base has just rallied around him because of whatever, or, or that Trump has sort of taken down DeSantis with some of his attacks. Or you know one thing that we sort of explored in our wrap-up session story is the extent to which some of this policy stuff necessarily matters when you're taking on somebody like Trump who is really all about personality and the force of his personality. And that's what really binds his voters to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where Trump is just such a big presence that DeSantis. Yeah. DeSantis has a a, a sterling resume right now when it comes to trying to run as a Republican national candidate. Uh, He can point to all these things that he's done in Florida, which many of them, as we've written about and talked about endlessly, are these culture war issues that uh, really do have an appeal to this uh, the Trump-driven Republican base, but it, Trump-driven is uh, is perhaps even more than that. It is it is Trump captive, so DeSantis can't really break that bond that they seem to have with Trump. This cult-like bond behind Trump, and um, it, DeSantis is running the risk, it seems like right now, of being the latest iteration of Jeb Bush. Right, another great policy guy. Uh, who led Florida, a a, a great big state, uh, chock full of Republicans, and doing all these Republican policy uh, measures that uh, seem to have appeal. But you know Jeb Bush never got out of the starting gate against uh, against Donald Trump, and that was in 2016. And DeSantis at this point also is stumbling with poll numbers that show you know he's he's diminished uh, uh, against Trump during the same time that he is uh, burnishing his resume with all these great successes in the legislature.
1: Yeah, and and I'm sure DeSantis doesn't want Jeb Bush comparisons, uh, how much Trump destroyed him, but there are some similarities there. You know, they're both kind of wonky. Um, they're both, uh, you know, sort of, uh, cerebral guys to a degree. DeSantis does like to get into the policy and the way that he sort of approached campaigning has been, even though he has tried to really repeal appeal to the Republican base, there's a wonkiness to it where he really gets into the weeds on things like critical race theory. And, this ESG investing and all these acronyms sure. for for things that are in conservative media that I'm not sure like have this sort of visceral appeal that where that that Trump does um, where he 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 doesn't get into the weeds on policy at all. He just kind of fires off and and uh, you know kind of goes with his gut and uh I'm not sure that uh DeSantis sort of has that sort of just kind of gut presence with the GOP that 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 uh he would need to to win over some of the voters that he wants but we'll see I don't know I, I'm not uh, I think maybe some of these policies could help him more than we realize while uh DeSantis seems to get all the attention today another Florida Republican also is gearing up for a big election season in 2024. Florida Senator Rick Scott has been preparing for a campaign but so far, he doesn't have a Democratic challenger. Florida Democrats are really uh, pretty discouraged right now after they were badly beaten in the 2022 midterm election. Antonio, there's talk they need sort of a celebrity candidate, someone who could really change the paradigm for them. I I think uh, somebody in Politico or, or an NBC article described it as a a moonshot candidate there. There's talk about trying to recruit Dwayne Wade, the Miami heat uh, legend uh, to try and run. What, what, what's your take on all this?
2: Well, yeah. you know, And the celebrity candidates that have been named dropped are former Miami heat legend, uh, Dwayne Wade and, and Grant Hill, who also played for the NBA here in Florida. Look, this all confirms what we've been saying. And if Florida Democrats are depleted, they really
1: have no bench strength. Isn't this a sort of a sign of desperation when you're like, oh, we're just going to get Dwayne Wade to run for it? Like, I mean, really, what's the chance of that? Like, what's the chance of Dwayne Wade giving up his <laughs> his uh, a pretty good life to go and get beat up in, in a Senate race?
2: Yeah, well, I think you could sort of look at it as as desperation or or you could look at it as a Democratic strategist told us, which is it's a Hail Mary. The other issues you have here is that you still have the widening GOP lead in voter registrations and in money. You know, not only are Florida Republicans much better at raising big and small dollar donations, you're up against mega wealthy Rick Scott who can write and sell checks for scores of millions of dollars. But, you know, at the same time, I would caution our listeners about something here that all this speaks to the woes of Florida Democrats more so than Rick Scott's strength as a candidate. You know, with apologies to the senator, he's never really been Florida's most popular political. And, and he is coming off what has been a really rough 12 months. Everything from you know embracing flawed and doomed U.S. candidates last year to seeing the Democrats keep the Senate majority plus one last November to his embarrassing defeat in trying to topple Mitch McConnell to his even getting posterized by President Biden over uh, Scott's plan to. Sunset all federal programs unless they are re upped by Congress every five years. Okay, then, what if a Dwayne Wade jumped in the race? Yeah, you know, Wade would bring star power. And look, he is someone who has been vocal about social issues. But still, you know, it's one thing to be an NBA fan favorite that has people chanting MVP from the stands. And it's quite another to be in a political slugfest in a polarized state where the MAGA brand is extremely powerful. Bottom line, you know, it, it, given the choice to be an avatar for a U.S. A GOP U.S. Candidate, Senate candidate next year, I think right now, you know, I'm inclined to pick to be in Rick Scott's shoes.
1: It's hard to look at the last election where Desantis won. By 19 percentage points, you know, uh, all the Republicans uh, who were running statewide won overwhelmingly and think that Rick Scott isn't just an overwhelming favorite and that Democrats are just kind of desperately trying to find any way to remain relevant here. But you make a good point. I mean, of all the Republicans nationally who are up for re-election in the Senate, Rick Scott might be the most vulnerable just because of that plan that he put out that talked about sunsetting all federal laws, and and um, even Republicans were saying, well, you know, we're not going to be doing that because, you know, we don't want to, like, sunset Medicare and, and Social Security. I mean, Mitch McConnell uh, went after him um, on it, you know. So I mean, you know, what, what's more important in Florida than Medicare and Social Security? Social Security. We're still a very retiree heavy state. I mean, that indicates uh, potentially that, that Scott could be vulnerable. And he only won in 2018 uh, by like 10,000 votes or something. I mean, it was just like a razor, razor thin margin in in in, floor, uh, in a Florida race. So uh, it wasn't that long ago that he was barely Squeaking by, and then all of his when he won his races for governor, his two races, both of those were by, um, you know, like a percentage point. So he's never won uh, a race by more than a percentage point. You would think that he would be a good target uh, for Democrats, but it's just like, you know, Ron DeSantis just change the political paradigm so much in Florida that it just seems unlikely that they're going to be able to recruit a top-level candidate, but you never know. Uh, Well, we'll move on to some numbers here. John, you want to tell us about your number? Yeah, Zach,
0: you remember I started out with a homage to uh, TV Steve Austin, but my $6 million man right now is Ron DeSantis. $6 million is what the legislature has steered the governor's way for legal expenses in the coming year that Sanders had uh, a million and a half last year for, for legal costs. He requested $4 million back when he rolled out his budget recommendations in February, and he's getting $6 million in taxpayer money from the legislature to fight, you know, what are certain court battles that will emerge from a lot of what the governor is signing into law this year. He just got hit with a lawsuit from the Florida Education Association this week, which filed a, a federal challenge uh, the very day after DeSantis signed legislation that puts new restrictions on teacher unions, uh, healthcare unions, and, and and basically just about every other bargaining unit that tends to support Democratic candidates. But he exempted police, fire, and correctional officer unions, which which usually back Republicans. But the, uh, the the six million dollars for the for the governor isn't all. There, there's another five million dollars for legal services in the attorney general's office. That's for work related to COVID nineteen vaccinations, which the the state has fought requirements for. And there's $2 million to the State University System's Board of Governors for litigation costs. That's going to be likely stemming from legislation aimed at clamping down on diversity programs and tenure and discussion of equity topics and courses and programs. Uh, The Department of State also is getting $2.8 million for litigation costs. Again, likely stemming from the new restrictions on voter registration groups that uh, are about to be enacted. Um, my friend and fellow reporter Jason Garcia also pointed out that the legislature agreed to bump up Desantis's legal cash within 72 hours of him being sued in court by the Walt Disney Company. Uh, that's part of that you know more than year-long fight over the company's opposition to last year's parental rights law, the so-called uh, don't-say-gay legislation. So the total comes to fifteen point eight million dollars of your taxpayer dollars going to legal work defending DeSantis. Um, you know, that that's a, a lot of money out there. And uh it's really something that um it it would seem that the 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 party knows that they're gonna face plenty of uh litigation and uh, they have to have their governor prepared to fight back. So that's where yeah. your, your money is. It's expensive living in the free state of Florida.
1: Well, it's incredible how many of the laws that the legislature has passed that were ordered up by DeSantis have been challenged uh, in court, and, and many of them um, are still tied up in court. Some of them have been overturned. Some of them, the DeSantis administration has prevailed or is appealing, but it's just been just lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. I mean, maybe— uh, you know, that's another sign of how weak Democrats are in Florida. It's real. it's really uh, you know they can't do anything to stop them in the legislature. So it's just been a series of lawsuits to try and overturn some of these things. And when you look at the last legislative session, um, th- this could be the most litigious of all, considering all the conservative policies that have come out of there. Uh, Antonio, you want to tell us about uh, your number?
2: Yeah, 17 billion, as in 17 billion dollars. And listeners of this podcast will know that number. It's the amount of money that the Walt Disney Company has said it will invest in its Florida theme park kingdom over the next decade. Now, look, no other corporate entity in Florida plans to invest that much money anywhere. In fact, in my 35 years of business journalism, I don't know if any corporation has ever invested anywhere near $17 billion in Florida. But this week, Disney Company chairman Bob Iger put it on the table. Florida, he said, do you want the $17 billion investment or not? But what he really meant is, okay, Governor DeSantis, this just got real. The governor, you know, has been railing against Disney. Disney's arguably the most popular brand on the planet, but DeSantis is hell-bent on making the company woke enemy number one. He is even going after the company's iconic monorail in a battle over Disney's self-governance, and has joked about putting a prison next to the Central Florida theme parks for young and old. Look, this week, DeSantis taunted Disney, saying that since a phase two of the shock and awe crackdown began, Disney hasn't made a peep. Well, uh, Disney just dropped $17 billion worth of peep on the governor and his widest ambitions. Because if Disney says, all right, we're not going to invest the $17 billion in Florida because of the governor, I mean, that's going to be a poison apple that the Snow White witch would be proud of. And remember, Disney holds the cards here. They could just simply put a pause on investing the, the, the $17 billion for a couple of years. So we will ask it here, governor, how badly do you want to forfeit a $17 billion investment with 13,000 more jobs for Florida? Because if that's what happens, you can imagine that when they get to that debate stage, starting in August, assuming that the governor runs for the Republican nomination, that's going to be the question he's going to be asked at every debate. Because yeah, the, the attack on Disney works great in the villages and in Florida and in the the reddest of the red states. But when you get into these purple states and blue states that you want to win over, the Michigans and you know the north carolinas the virginias these states were economic investment is a big deal that that rust belt midwest where economic investment by companies is a big deal that's not going to play so well
1: yeah pretty interesting comments by Iger. i mean uh, i don't think a lot of people thought that uh, it was even possible for disney to um, kind of pull back on florida they're so heavily invested and who knows, maybe he's just bluffing. Um, you know, probably there's got there's gotta be some degree of that, but th- his posture that he's taking against uh, DeSantis has been pretty aggressive. You know, it, it's um, fascinating to see that he's, he's not backing down. Uh, he's, he's going uh, pretty hard at him um, and uh, sort of daring DeSantis to keep doubling down. So we'll see uh, who blinks here. Well, my number is, 99. That's how many Floridians have been charged with crimes related to the January 6th storming of the U.S. Capitol, according to the George Washington University Program on Extremism. Florida leads the nation in the number of people charged with January 6th crimes. If Trump wins the presidency, many of these people could be pardoned. Trump said last night in a CNN town hall that he would pardon, quote, a large portion of the January 6th defendants. I am inclined to pardon many of them, Trump said. The Floridians facing January 6th charges come from many different walks of life and their crimes are of varying degrees of severity. But many are affiliated with extremist groups and have been charged with serious, serious offenses. They include two proud boys who recently were convicted of seditious conspiracy, which is the most serious charge that has been brought against any of the January 6th uh, defendants and carries a maximum uh, jail time, I think, of around 20 years. Those Proud Boys uh, include the, the leader of the group nationally, Enrique uh, Tarrio, who's from Miami. Uh, also, multiple Oath Keepers uh, face seditious uh, conspiracy charges uh, from Florida. Florida also has nearly uh, half of the Oath Keepers charged with January 6 crimes and a third of the Proud Boys. Trump's been trying to minimize the severity of January 6th, uh throughout uh, this uh, presidential campaign. He keeps saying uh, he will pardon in these individuals, and that's a way of trying to to play down their crimes, really. He even participated in a song recording by a group of prisoners known as the J6 Choir, and bragged about how well the song did uh, on the Billboard charts. The January 6th revisionism is a big feature of his campaign, and Florida is at the heart of it, with nearly 100 people facing charges who could stand to benefit from Trump's pardons. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.